Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah, man. Welcome to the church, y'all. Check this out. I don't about you, man. Do you ever have uh, one, of those, one of those nights where it's just hard to sleep? All right? <laughs> like, are you thinking about everything and you can't stop thinking about everything? That happened to me last night. All right, I'm like, I'm like trying to sleep. I'm trying to, you know, no, I got to get some rest, man, because this is coming quick, right? And so I'm, I'm laying there and I'm trying to sleep, man. And, and finally about midnight, I feel like I'm starting to doze off, right? And then you're dozing off and all of a sudden, boom, opened up again. And I'm looking and it's one o'clock. Right? And I'm like, what the heck, man? And, I'm, and, I'm, and so I get up. I put on some old Barney Miller sitcom movies. I don't know if you ever see the, the shows. And I'm watching old Barney Miller, and I'm like trying to go to sleep, man. Go to sleep. It ain't happening. Finally, I just said, I got to go to bed, man. So I laid down, and I'm trying to make myself go to sleep, right? And I guess I passed out, man, because... I woke up later. When you wake up, you know that you passed out, right? All right, so I woke up, and uh, it's 5 o'clock in the morning. And I'm thinking, you know, so I'm doing the math. Did I get enough sleep? I did not get enough sleep, but now I can't go back to sleep again. And I remember that my grandson was driving. You know, my, my oldest grandson and Pastor Ron's youngest son were, were going snowboarding, and they're on the way to Flagstaff. So I, I better, I'll get up, and I'll pray. Maybe I'm supposed to get up and pray for him. So I get up, start praying for him. All right, I send him a text. Hey, man, I want you to know I'm praying for you. All right, and I start to go back and lay down, and then I'm thinking, I should probably pray for something else. And I'm praying for this, and then I'm praying for that. And I'm like, dude, stop praying. Go to bed, man, right? And, and I go to bed, man, and then, and then all of a sudden, right when I'm, I get a text. Boom, it's my grandson. Hey, thanks, thanks, uh, Grandpa. You know, this is awesome. We're almost there. I'll give you a text when I get there. All right, cool, 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 cool. Just give me a text. Going back to sleep. I'm just dozing off again, man. And then all of a sudden, my phone rings, and it's my grandson. Dude, we are totally here, man. It is awesome. We're going to go snowboard. It's going to be. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, all right, all right, all right, all right. Man, just text me when you're leaving. Send me some clips. All right, boom, put the phone down. Going back to sleep, man. I'm like, I'm dozing off. And I, and I know it, man. I was like sleeping. And all of a sudden, uh, I, I get one of these. All right? We were watching our, our three-year-old granddaughter last night because Angel was, you know, work, doing uh, this thing with the youth girls last night, and there was an all-nighter. All of a sudden, I get one of these big old eyeballs right here. Wake up, Papa. <laughs> Wake up. Like, this wakes you up. This is what wakes people up. Just do this, and you're awake, right? And I'm like, our, uh, you got to get up, right? You know, and I get up, and I'm like feeling, ah, oh, man, I'm still tired. But you know what? I praise God for those moments. I praise God for that, for that, for that, for, for, for just having those moments and having those people in my life, man, because I'm telling you what, it's been a crazy, crazy year, all right? I, I've witnessed, man, more pain and suffering in one year than I've ever, that I wanted, that I've, that I, that I wanted to, man. And I know like many of you, you you've, you've, you've been witnessing it and, and I've been involved in it and you've been involved in it, all right? And, and, we're, and we're like, what the heck, right? You know what I mean? What's going on here? This year, I, I think I buried, I know I have, I buried more people than I've ever buried in, in one year, man. And these were beautiful people that were, that were close to me, right? And, 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 and then each time, man, the question is, is just like, well, why, 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 why? It came up, and it wasn't so we could answer it. I mean, people didn't, didn't, weren't looking for an answer. They just wanted you to share the question with them because there were really no answers, They just wanted you to share the question because nobody, nobody should be going through, some of these, through suffering alone. We need to share it 
We need to share people's hurts. We need to share their pains. We need to share them. They're, 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 they're suffering. And they need us to share it with them, sometimes way more than they need answers, right? They need us to come along, man, and share the suffering and share the pain. Sometimes we just need to be reminded that there's a bigger story, right? There's a much bigger story taking place, that this isn't it. This craziness that we're going through in the moment, man, is not it. That there's, there's more to the story, man. And, 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 and then we need to be reminded of that. And we need to be reminding others of that. Each time that I went to go lay a friend of mine down this, this year, because there were people of faith, I was at least able to share this one hope that in my opinion, and probably yours too, is bigger than the planet. I was each, each one, I was able to share this scripture really quickly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this just real fast here. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 13. This is not where we're studying today, but, but, but you know what? You'll see what I'm talking about. I was able to read this with confidence. I was able to share this with families. I was able to share this with myself and know this to be a fact. He says, well, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, those who have passed away, that are in the faith. All right, that, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of a command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and with them, and, here, and, and, and then, then we who are alive, who, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Amen. Amen. We have this hope. Amen. Amen. That's a pretty darn good hope, wouldn't you say? Yep. Hallelujah. Here's what I know. In the middle of our suffering, we need to know that there's a much bigger story, a much bigger story going on that, that is actually going on before our suffering, that's still going on during our suffering, and then we'll be continuing after our suffering. There's a bigger story to our story. And every once in a while, we need to remind ourselves of it, be reminded of it, and remind others of it. Because when we forget... When we forget the bigger story, we lose ourselves in the smaller parts of the story. Did you hear what I just said? When we forget the bigger story, we lose ourselves in the smaller parts, the day-to-day -day parts of, of the story. And many times we question even the reality of the bigger story because these smaller parts are just so consuming. We start questioning that maybe there is nothing. Maybe all the somethings came from nothing. But let me just tell you, man, if something came from nothing, then nothing is really the answer for suffering, right? If something, if, if this all, of all this something came from nothing, then, there's n then nothing is the only answer for suffering. But you see, we know that that's not good enough. 
We know that that is not good enough. The fact that we continually question why all this suffering demands that we don't internally believe in nothing. Somehow we know that there's a bigger story. So I want us to, to, to kind of lead off from where Pastor Chad left us last week. You remember when he was talking about sharing our faith and our hope, sharing our hope when, 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 when involved, when being attacked, when being persecuted, when being involved in suffering, and people ask, why are you still hoping in this God? He shared, you know, he said, he said continue to share that hope. Be ready to share that hope even in the middle of suffering. And he left off with this verse right here. And we're going to start in 1 Peter. This is our text for today. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 on. We'll see how far we can get today. So Father, we just want to give you the praise, Lord God. Lord God, we just want to give you the honor and the glory, Lord God. Lord, even in our suffering, even in the craziness of life, Lord God, even when, 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 when the junk just, just consumes, Lord, we, just, we want to give you all the glory because you have not left. And there is still this greater story, this bigger story, this greater reality, and we're praying in the name of Christ, Lord God, that you help us understand it today. In Jesus' name, amen. This is... Well, let me, just, let me just get into this. 1 Peter verse 3, verse 17. He says, it is better, for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will, which is a huge if, isn't it? If that should be God's will for them for doing evil. Basically, he's saying, regardless of the suffering, regardless of the suffering, God is not absent, all right? Regardless of your situation, God is not absent. Regardless of your circumstances, God is not absent. Even though you may look around and say, I don't see him, man. God is, is not absent, especially from our suffering. I love what Oswald Chambers, I'm going to put this up there. He said this. He says, if God has made your cup sweet, drink it with grace. If God has made your cup sweet, if, in other words, if, if life is going pretty darn good right now, because some of you, it's going great. And don't feel bad because things are going great, right? Oh, dang, I'm not suffering like everybody else. What does that mean? All right, it means enjoy it. Praise the Lord for it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? Because it gives us great days. And then, and then we also recognize that bad days are going to come. And we need those good days to get us through the bad days. Amen? And we need those good days to help others in bad days. Amen? And so if God has made your cup sweet, he says, drink it with grace, with humility, not in arrogance, like I did this, all right? But drink it with, with grace. Or even if he has made it bitter, drink it in communion with him, recognizing he's not gone, man. Drink that cup with him. He says, if the providential will of God means a hard and difficult time for you, well, then go through it with him. And I would add, with one another. Amen. Because this brokenness, many times, man, it starts inside. And we think it's always outside. And, we, and, and it's inside, and it requires this internal healing 
You see, here's, there's, there's two big old ways that we can deal with when, when, when suffering is, comes, you know, it just basically is like, just barges in the house, right? There's two ways, man. And, 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 and one way is we can just, you know, is, is, well, you know, we can expect God to answer every prayer and deliver us from every pain. We can say, you know, if you love me, then you'll deliver me from every, every, every pain and every suffering. You know, if you care about me, you know what? This should be what you do, God. This should be your job, all right? And so when suffering comes on and we're blaming God for not doing his job, all right? And then we're, we're sitting here, you know, we're, 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 we're struggling with our belief. But see, here's what I know, man. God does not want you to love him only because he can answer your suffering, God does not only, um, because he can leave your suffering. God does not want you to love him just because he uh, it'll gives you yes answers to all your prayers. Because that's not love. But the second way that you deal from this, with this brokenness from the inside is that he changes us on the inside. And we allow him to change us on the inside. And we recognize that he is walking with us in this suffering and that we're not alone. I can tell you right now that all the growing in my life isn't because somebody gave it to me my way. All the growing in my life and all the growing around me that I've seen was there was suffering required. And I know, man, it's like, how in the world we're going to get there? Check this out. It's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ, look at verse 18. For Christ suffered once for sins. The ri- for Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So the narrative goes, all right, from the fact of our brokenness, all right, that Christ himself entered our brokenness, all right, that Christ himself entered into our suffering and suffered himself. And we look at it and we say, well, it's okay for you to suffer. I just don't want to do it. But he walked into our suffering, right? Suffered himself and he brought us hope. And because suffering is always present, that we must recognize that there is a much bigger story that is taking place, you know, before our suffering, during our suffering, and after our suffering, that there was this much bigger story taking place. And you're like, okay, but why suffering? Let me just kind of share. I love uh, one of my favorite dudes, man. He's gone to be with the Lord now, Ravi Zacharias. He kind of lays out this quick, this quick little outline real quick here. And I, and I love it how he, how he just makes it a little more simpler for us to understand when he's talking about, you know, our suffering being present all the time. And he puts it like this. He gives us four points right here. And these are not points of the sermon, but you can write these down. They'll be up here. But this is a real deal, man. He says, where there is the possibility of love, there has to be the reality of freedom. Let's leave that there for a little bit. Where there is the possibility of love, there has to be the reality of freedom. What does that actually mean? Love cannot exist without the freedom to choose to love. Amen? Can, can, we, can we just clearly say that? Yes. Love cannot exist without, without the, 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 the freedom to choose to love. To be forced to love 
is no love at all. Amen? So where there is the possibility of love, there has to be the reality of freedom. Number two, where there is the reality of freedom, there has to be the possibility of pain. And you're like, why? Because somebody can choose not to love. And actually, they can go the other way. They can choose to hate. And they can choose to hurt. All right? And, 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 and here, let me just kind of remind you of this. When we choose to suffer, when we choose to love, all right, we are bringing in suffering because we suffer when we lose loved ones. Amen? That's suffering. It's the price of our love many times. But I'll gladly play it, pray, pay it because I want to love and I want to be loved. Amen? And I want people to choose to love me and I want to be able to choose to love my people. Amen? But there was also the possibility of pain. And number three, when where there is the reality of pain, <clears throat> there is the need for a savior. We can't ultimately put an end to our own pain all the time. We could put band-aids on it, all right? I have, you know, bean dip. That's a good, you know, sorry. Sometimes it makes me feel real good. Some bean dip, some good chips, some killer salsa. I feel good about the world, at least for a moment, all right? Didn't relieve all my suffering. Online shopping. Come on, man. It's been blowing up. Don't tell me that this year you have not gone nuts online shopping. All right? Way more than you've gone before. Okay. Thank you for being honest. Me too. All right? Sorry. All right? But there, there's a lot of band-aids. But, but, but you know what? We, the, ultimately, there is the need of a savior. The Savior who entered into our suffering, suffered and died and defeated it, beat down death, stepped on its neck, all right, and rose again in newness and is our great God and King Jesus Christ, amen? And he's the Savior, hallelujah. Amen. So where there is the reality of pain, there is the need of a Savior. And where there is a Savior, there is the possibility of redemption. That's the bigger story. Amen? For Christ, verse 18, let's look at it again. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God through his suffering. Being put to death in the flesh, he suffered and died for us, for our benefit but made alive in the spirit. This is the bigger story, and this is our story. It's about to get crazy, ready? All right, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. We're like, what, what, wait, what? <laughs> I know we were looking at this as we were preparing, man, and the sermon prep, and there's just so much stuff that's getting ready. To, words are gonna be flying everywhere right now, all right? And, and then this is, the, this is bigger story stuff. Right? Too often we read stuff like this, right? And that is not as complete as we like it, and we start injecting our own little truths in this. But we have to be careful because we start asking questions when we read something like this. All right, we get all that all the way up to the point to where he proclaimed to the spirits in prison. And we're like, okay, wait, okay, so we have to start you know filling in the blanks, man. And I just want you to be careful with that. 
We start asking who? Is this, is, this, is this demons from the past? Is this, you know, fallen angels? Is this, you know, uh, you know um, Old Testament dudes and chicks that didn't, you know, fall in line with the, the you know, whatever? I mean, there's a good argument for all kinds of different things right there, and it's a fun study, and, and you, should, you should pursue it. We're not going to pursue it right here, all right, but you should pursue it. But I just want to challenge you when you do pursue it, all right, that, that what the message was, we're not told, all right? What, what the purpose of the, the result of this we're not, is not revealed, and, and where, where the scripture is silent, I just think you need to be careful in your teaching, Right? But it's, it's, it's worth following. But I want us to move on for the sake of what we're talking about. And it's going to include what we're talking about here. And next week, we're actually going to revisit this and talk about it some more. Because there's a whole bigger picture. So for Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit, <clears throat> in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Verse 20, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, now we really got words flying everywhere, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. When I'm reading this stuff, I got to remind myself who God used to write it. All right? And if you read through the scriptures, if you read any of the stories, you know, the gospel accounts, you, you learned a little bit about Peter. Peter is very, very spontaneous. He's very, very impulsive. And he's like, he's doing all kinds of stuff, man. He's doing right things and he's doing wrong things. I'm not saying he's doing wrong things here. I'm just saying paying attention to the personality that God is using to write this letter is always important. Right? Remember, there's a bunch of dudes, right? They're, 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 they're in a boat. And the, the, when Jesus resurrected and he was standing on the, on the shore, they're in a boat. Did I say they were in a boat? All right. They're in a boat and they see Jesus. What does Peter do? He jumps in the water and starts swimming. All right. And the other guys are like, yeah, Peter, dude. You know what I mean? They're like, what the heck? Peter knows he's with Jesus, all right? He knows he's with God, the son of the living God. He's the one who found out first, all right? And when, he's, when Jesus is being rest, arrested, what does Peter do? I'll save you. Pulls out a sword and cuts, cuts the dude's ear off. Immediately drops the guy's ear. Jesus is like, oh, Peter, seriously, man. Come here, homie. All right? Peter, really? You know what I mean? You know, he's like, it's, 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 this is Peter. And so I know he's making a point here. So I'm looking at the whole story rather than dissecting the parts because we really, wow, wow we really don't have a lot of time for that. <laughs> as fun as it may be. But he's taken, you know, he went from our suffering to Christ's suffering to the spirits in prison and now Noah. So let's take a look really quickly at the flood story. Uh, just to quickly summarize it, you remember or uh, maybe you don't, in, uh, in, in Genesis chapter 6, uh, you know, the, the, the world was just becoming, people were just exceedingly evil and more and more corrupt, and God could not find a righteous person, but he did find one in Noah and his family. Noah had three sons, they had, they had a wife, each had a wife, Noah had a wife. God said that he's going to judge the world and he's going to flood it, he said it's going to rain, never rained before that. And so Noah is like building the, he tells Noah to build this boat, <laughs> all right? And, you know, if people want to get on it, man, and be saved, they, they can, all right? But, you know, at least bring some animals with you so we can repopulate this place. And we look at that, right? And we're like, no way, dude. You know, <laughs> we're like, that's a crazy story, right? That's insane. All right, who, who believes that anymore? That's a fairy tale. It's like a children's book, 
right? They have this big old looking boat. It looks like a big taco, all right? And it's got all these animals in it, right? It was like, you know, but who believes that? But I think that the parts that we can prove help us with the ones that we can't. So very, very quickly, let me just kind of share just a couple of real quick things as far as the, 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 the account here, because if nothing became from nothing, all right, then, then nothing is the answer to our suffering. And we know that's not true. We know there's a bigger story. We know there's a bigger picture. And if we're involved in this bigger story, he, Peter goes back to a story before our story and says, in your suffering, we need to know that there's a bigger story that was before our suffering, during our suffering and will be after our suffering. Amen? All right, so we got to know that. And so here's what I do know, that anthropologists, because I don't know if you know this, anthropologists are basically have cataloged hundreds and hundreds of civilizations that talk about a flood story. Did you know that? So we think it's the, the Bible is the only one that has this trippy little kid story called you know, Noah and the ark and the flood and all that. There are hundreds of people who, don't, who didn't have the Bible people groups across the world that tell about this flood stories. Some of them, the ancient Babylonians, the Native Americans, the Mayans, the Australian the Aborigines, the Aztecs, all right, the Romans, the Greeks, the Chinese, all, you know, and many, many more have this flood story that all included an angry God, messed up people, and a few people that were pretty good. Uh, you go figure that one out. You know, uh, they've been doing studies around, uh, you know, geological studies and finding out that there's, that, 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 you know, Oregon has these big old, you know, quartzites, I believe it is. And they found like 300 miles away, big, big, you know, chunks of it in another area where it doesn't come from. How to get there. Do you know that every high, uh, uh, what do you call them? You know, you have a bunch of mountains and there's a whole bunch of them and they're really big. That, that, those things. The Himalayans is one of them, all right? Big mountain ranges. Man, well, you guys just let me struggle with that, man. Where are you guys at today, man? You know, usually you're like, mountain range, come on, you know, get that. You know, <laughs> so, hey, you know so, so hey, do you know that they have found and you know, continually are finding uh, fossils of like whales and fish and sea life at the top of these mountains? And scientists are still trying to figure out how to explain that? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. That's what I say. All right. And so, 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 for, so, so, why? Okay. Why did Peter use this story? Why now? Because remember, in the days of Noah, Noah, that Noah was a minority among very hostile and wicked people. Peter wrote this letter at a time where Christianity was just getting ready to be outlawed. Christians were already being killed for their faith, wickedly, all right, and horribly killed and tortured for their faith. We could look around today, and we're reading this, this word in a time when the cultural atmosphere is noticeably unstable. Very, very timely word. Another reason might be that you know, Noah was, was, was righteous in the middle of all this wickedness, all right? And Peter is calling his, his people to be righteous. And remember, we talked, before we start doing, we need to be. All right? And we had some B words. You remember our B words, all right? Uh, be his, um, be loving, be honest, be pure, be uh, real, and be loyal, man. We just, you know, and I told you, figure out your own B words. You know, this, this is just pursue righteousness, pursue holiness. And not so that we can tell people that they aren't holy, but so that we can love them enough to show them what Christ looks like. He tells us to be. 
Noah witnessed. He, he was just this bold witness, man. He's building this ark. And people are like laughing at him. He's like, no, dude, it's going to rain. They're like, what is that? What does that even mean? What is rain? He goes, it's gonna, you, you know, you're welcome to come on. And he just continued to tell him to repent and to come along. And nobody, nobody did. We need to be willing, willing even to suffer in order to bring other people to Christ. Because in the middle of our suffering, we need to know that there is a much bigger picture that was taking place back in the days of Noah, back in the time of Peter, today and this day, and tomorrow and the next. And there's this bigger story taking place. And so he, he tells us all this. He says, look at man, you know, um, yeah, he tells us that we're going to be suffering. He tells us that Jesus suffered and, you know, ministered, the, or not ministered, but went and preached. He didn't preach the gospel. We'll talk about that next week. But preached to these spirits in prison, you know, who didn't obey in the time of Noah. He tells us about that time. He kind of helps us relate to the time of Noah, to the time of Peter, to our time right now. All right. And he reminds us that who we are. And he says in this next verse, he says, baptism, which corresponds to this now saves you. Not as the removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we look at this, right? And we talk about baptism. You know what I'm talking about when we have the well, baptism? Or we're talking about people that have just, that, that, that given their life to Christ and have committed to this, to this act, this symbolic act, to, to letting everybody know what they've done until, you know, and, and, and then also uh, that they're on the team. They're on the same team, right? And, and he says, but it also corresponds to this in, in another way. And, and, and we look at this. And so let's take a look at the story, all right? Christ suffering, all right? So he can bring to, through his suffering, we can be brought to God. Noah, all right, has, you know, it's going to get crazy. The whole planet's going to suffer, but he's provided this ark that's going to help these people get through it. And he's saying baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you as well. He says, not as the removal of dirt, all right, um, but as an appeal to God, for a good conscience and what he's real. I believe that in, in my little opinion, I, like I, I tell you, if I, if I can't write it in crayons, it's really hard for me to understand. And I just believe that Jesus is our ark that gets us through, that takes us over the judgment, that removes the judgment from our life. You hear that? Or is it just me? All right. And so we look at this and we're saying, wait a second, what does, so does baptism, does, 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 does baptism save you? Does the water actually save you? Some would say, yes, it does. Uh, and I've heard people, and there's some, there's, there's, and I'm not here to bash any, you know, religion or any faith. I'm just sharing, this is what we believe. We, we don't believe that baptism, the water actually has, does this magical power and save you. That, that's not what we believe. We don't believe that, that that's what happens. We believe that, 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 that it's an appeal to God, that there's something that takes place, that there's this inward change that is, that is rec recognized outwardly. Let me just put it this way. Um, when I gave my life to Christ uh, 25, a little over 25 years ago now, all right, I, did, I couldn't be baptized. Some of you guys know my story. It just was not possible for me to be baptized. 
but I was full on loving Jesus, preaching the word with everybody that was around me, all right, and just kind of, and, and just, I knew what God was calling me to do. He was gifting me with different gifts and stuff like that, and, and then I was watching him gift the ones around me, all right, but I wanted to be baptized. I just could not be baptized. There was just, no, it wasn't possible. As soon as I could, eight months later, nine months later, um, I did. I truly believe that there's only two things that should stop anyone from being baptized. Number one, they have not given their life to Jesus Christ. That's a good reason, right? Number two, there ain't no water. <laughs> That's it. Again, color crayons, okay, you remember? All right, so, right? I just believe that. So, so, so what does Peter mean here, man? What is he talking about here? He's talking about an inward spiritual reality that baptism actually represents. A conscious, a, a conscious movement into what we have been talking about for a while now, owning the position and not merely claiming the title. I've seen a lot of people get, get baptized, all right, for all the wrong reasons. But then I've also seen people who have completely given their life to Christ and have followed through with this act of, of, of obedience, of being baptized. And you can see it. They're not just claiming a title, baptized believer. They're owning the position, follower of Christ, bearing the family name, Christian. This is the appeal. But the commitment is now your responsibility. The commitment is your responsibility. Did you recognize that? God, Christ, he's done his part. That through his suffering, he, bring us, he brings us to, to, uh, to God. And through our commitment and our obedience, this is our appeal. The rest is up to you. You can't just claim the title. You must own the position. Amen. What does it look like to own the position? We've been talking about that and we'll continue. We're going to stop right here because we're going to finish this next week. And so please get involved next week because there's so much more to this. But for now, I just kind of want to remind you And he says, baptism corresponds to this. This now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven, who is at the right hand before God, of God, with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. You have to ask yourself, do you really believe this? Do you believe the bigger story? Are you so consumed with the smaller parts of your story, man, that are just like consuming and so large that you, it, it's just become irrelevant or become a thing that you just kind of lean into on Sunday morning. This is our message. And this is us owning the position. And this is the bigger story. So, 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 so what I want you to do, again, there's more, we're, we're gonna finish this next week. 
what I want you to do is when your story starts closing in on you, all right, when your story just starts to consume you, number one, I want you to remember that there is a bigger story that this isn't the end, that your story is not the end, that the circumstances doesn't end everything. Remind yourself that there is a bigger story and there are other people involved in that story and you need to, you need to just kind of lean into them and lean into that story. Even as hard as it can be, because I know, man, some of these right now, times are just crazy and there's just everything just seems to just be falling apart, man. And you're like, man, where is the bigger story? Where is the God of the bigger story? Lean into somebody right now. This is why he calls us the church and not just the person. So number one, you need to re remember that there is a bigger story. Number two, you need to own the bigger story. You need to own it because it is your story. Amen? It's your story. Own the position in your story. And number three, man, tell about the bigger story. Tell others. Tell others. Tell the bigger story. Make it known that this story is your story because in the middle of our suffering, we need to remember that there is a bigger story that has been going on and on before our suffering, during our suffering, and even after. Amen. Praise the Lord.